Hi, and welcome to episode 275 of No Crying in Baseball, the delightful Twitter episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, how's it going? It's okay. It's seriously okay. Seriously okay is not bad. Not bad. Yeah, see, well, you know, last weekend was a three-day weekend, and I kind of got used to how that feels, and Mm -hmm. I just realized, oh, no, I don't get my day to just relax. I had my, you know, day of getting stuff done and my day of, you know, doing volunteer-y kinds of things, and then I needed my day off, and my day off is actually not that because it's a Monday, a real one. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow's definitely, we have to wait all the way till President's Day in February till we get another one of those Wow, easy that's, Mondays. That's, that's too far. That's too far. Yeah. So yes, I'm a little bit of, of of like weekend shock. Like wait, it can't be over yet. I'm not ready for yeah. it to be over. I did a lot of things, which is good. But um, yeah. Anything Anything exciting? Well, I started working on um, finding lining up host families for yeah. our our summer college uh, baseball league. Um, the the Silver Spring Tacoma Thunderbolts is is our local team. So I have to. I have to house 16 to 18 players that are coming in from around the country. And um, my, my initial foray got me four immediately. Nice. So that's good. That's before any follow-ups. That's really good. So, now, so I've only gone to people who've done it before. So okay. I'm, I'm going to start my wider my mm-hmm. wider outreach. But I felt very satisfied that, nice. you know, it's mid-January, well, you know, towards the end of January, and I've already got four out right. of the 16 to 18, which feels pretty good. And they show up in June? Is they, that right? End of May. Last weekend in May. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, the, the season is all of June and all of July. All right. I, I feel like we should um, announce what we're drinking. <laughs> do we so, need to do that? I think so so, you, so can, you can do it, sure. While celebrating the, um, Christmas with my, my brother-in-law, um, this was not a gift. This was very much after we exchanged a gift. He said, <laughs> hey, so I got these as a gift. Mm-hmm. And they were um, novelty beers, holiday-themed novelty beers. And we don't drink very much beer. So can, can you just, you want these? And I said, sure, because I usually just say yes when people want to hand me beer. And then I sort sure. it out later. And I thought, well, sure. what's the worst that can happen? Right. I know where I can bring these. I know where I can bring these. <laughs> I can bring these on a Sunday evening yeah. to the Potty Mouth house. You yeah. Because they, they always supply me with great beer. So I'm going to supply them with probably terrible novelty beer. And I succeeded in that. <laughs> well, this one isn't terrible. So we just yeah. finished... Bad Elf. That's B, Bad Elf, because Mad Elf is actually a, a fabulous beer. Bad Elf lives up to its name, I would say, in being ba- – it puts the bad in Bad Elf. Well, and it was also super low um, yeah. alcohol content, too, so there wasn't really – well, you know, at right. least we won't care that it's bad. But as it turns out, we are perfectly sober about that one, so we right. can, in fact, care that it's not good. But now, what are we – we're drinking a porter. Which is Santa's butt and anything you say about doing something with Santa's butt just makes me crack up. Like we had to open Santa's butt, and then we split Santa's butt. We have <laughs> now turned, we're drinking we Santa's have turned butt. into twelve-year-olds, and the problem with that is, even though it's not a bad beer, as it's soon as you bad. you like start to sip a beer, the other person says something about Santa's butt, <laughs> right? and it makes the beer want to come out your nose, yeah. which is kind of an issue. I gotta say, it's kind of an issue. What with the microphones, and yeah, the, and the laptops and things like that. Yeah. A very high-tech studio environment here is <laughs> yes. not not doing well we for commenting careful. on Santa's butt. Yeah, and and my Santa's butt is almost gone, so we're going to have to move on to a local beer pretty soon from Lost Generation Brewery in D.C. that I have not gone to, but I'm looking forward to trying. And the other good news is maybe in the near future we might be able to afford slightly better beer because we have yet another Patreon patron, patron, 
somebody who's helping us on Patreon. That's Tom Rhodes. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom, and everybody else who wants to help us almost break even. Please uh, listen up at the end of the show. We will tell you all the deets on how to do that. So here I was trying very carefully to make sure that people understood that our expenses were really yeah. for, you know, for like hosting yes. the podcast. Which they and, are. And editing the podcast and all of those things. And you just like let slip that we also, <laughs> well, I mean, it's no secret that we we drink beer, therefore we buy beer. Yeah. But we are, the, the breaking even is really not about that. Right. That is not into the calculation. So once we do break even on the the editing and the posting, then we will move into the bias a beer yeah. kind of, you know, membership on Patreon, I think. Yep. Um, I do need to apologize in advance because you guys, if you stick with us through this episode, that means you really love us because we're about to embark on a mega Red Sox uh, little bit of, of babbling by yours truly. So I am so sorry about that. But I think it's an appropriate day to do that because on this day in history in 2003, that mighty year before the, the Red Sox finally busted the curse, today, which is, what day is today? January 22nd. They signed David Ortiz, a guy who had just been released by the Twins on a one-year, $1.25 million deal. Cheers to that, because that was what we call a very good deal on the part of the Red Sox. Raise your Santa's butt in honor of... (laughs) What I want to point out right there is you just sucked up some time with a completely unnecessary fact about the Red Sox because it has nothing to do well, with the things that are like happening from here on out that we would normally talk about except oh here we go that I just it, made it a five minute thing I'm so did. sorry I'm so sorry it, it, it puts in my my precedent because what we're about to talk about what I'm about to talk about is all the mediocre shit that the Red Sox are doing lately and this is an example of how you never know that something that sounds like mediocre shit could actually be just busting things open. So that is the, the seed that I am planting in, in everybody's brain right now. So it's a strategic move. It's not just right. to piss me off about yet even more Red Sox conversation right. than necessary. OK, good to know. Good to know. On today's show, Even more Red Sox than usual, I know, hard to believe. Our police blotter involves an unfortunate signing and fun with the Orioles' ownership. We've got boyfriends on the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks. We've got a lot of excitement in winter ball. We've got really big news for women in baseball, especially in high A. And we've got a World Baseball Classic update. Cheers. There is so much going on, notably with the Red Sox. So anybody who's joining us for the first time, I'm a Red Sox fan. I come to it honestly by birth, by being born in Boston and a third generation Red Sox uh, fanatic. And the Red Sox have done a lot this, well, this past week and also a little bit before then that I believe it or not, I missed the news. But I think that the the summarizing comment here that I want to make is that they're clearly prioritizing QHAR, which would be quality hair above replacement, trademark Ollie. And they are getting busy with our past boyfriends. So we're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we choose like today in the offseason, one guy per team because they're pretty cool. And then because we've been doing this for years, we have a lot of boyfriends that are still kicking around that we can't keep on our actual team anymore, but they hold a special place in our hearts. And somehow the Red Sox must have intercepted like our, I don't know, maybe they're just listening to the show and they just picked up on a bunch of our former boyfriends super recently. You don't think someone just shared our Google sheet? That could have been it. (laughs) 
yeah, I don't know. It, is it? I don't think I have it on private. Yeah, that could, they, they probably hacked into that. The guy that I am the most excited about that actually our, our new Patreon pointed out very, uh, very recently is Jorge Alfaro, who I just talked about last week about his his um, lookalike to, to Aquaman. Is it Jason Manoa? Did I say that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they, there's some similar hair uh, style going on there. I had actually picked him as my baseball boyfriend in 2019, and the Red Sox just picked him up on a minor league deal. And th- this is a theme that I'm going to be repeating, and I'm thinking that they're, they're gambling, and one of these is going to pay off, like the David Ortiz paid off, and he wasn't even a minor league deal. But Jorge Alfaro, I think the Red Sox have a huge need at the voice of experience in catcher and also a catcher who can fucking hit the ball. And Jorge Alfaro has been crushing it in lead on, which just ended. So Tigres de Lice, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, has won the lead on finals, and... Jorge Alfaro was the MVP of that series, yeah? Quick pause. Lidam yeah. is the Dominican Winter yes. League team. That's league. Sorry. Yep. And and Alfaro is actually Colombian, but he I think it was his first year in Lidam. Did fabulous. And the flow after the hits just at, worth watching. Definitely check it out. I think I tweeted one of those. Or Miss, even Mr. Pottymouth was getting in on, on taking pictures of him while we were watching the last final game. I'm just saying, um, even if you're not an Aquaman fan, um, <laughs> I, sorry, my, my association mm. with um, Jorge Alfaro is really Cal Drogo from Game of Thrones. Or, or Jason Manoa, right? Momoa? What's his name? It's, it's Manoa. It's the same Manoa. guy. Okay. It's the yeah. same guy, but Cal Drogo <laughs> is the character, like right. Aquaman. You know, Aquaman is actually the character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making that yeah. clear. No, okay. no, no, no. But you said it was Jorge Alfaro. I was like, no, he wasn't the drug but it's, it's the the guy who looks like him yes yeah or yes. he looks like anyway he they're both worth Freaking watching Santa's butt I'm they're just saying really <laughs> worth watching so that's one boyfriend down I and I'm I'm super excited about that I think just the energy that he's going to bring his energy and lead on was off the charts also the Red Sox seem to be keeping an eye on the winter leagues and I you know I have to think that that's um uh, Alex Cora behind that with his own experience in the Puerto Rican League. So they picked up another MVP. So the MVP of the Puerto Rican League, that's the Liga Profesional Baseball, Roberto Clemente, who is playing with the Creos de Caguas, Edwin Diaz, not that Edwin Diaz. So this is an Edwin Diaz who is not the pitcher. He's an infielder, got MVP, and they picked him up on a minor league deal. So, uh, you know, the, the boyfriend connection here is the Edwin Diaz that you all know with the, the trumpet song thing the guy with the Mets he was the reason why I picked Mets pitching a couple years ago um, in 2020 and people who've been with us for a while know that we have to pick the whole flock of pitchers because we don't have time to talk about individual pitchers over the course of the offseason but Edwin Diaz was a big reason not this one but you know it's a good name MVP also, Adam Duvall was Yay. your last year's Hammers boyfriend. He yeah, did he not was. have a great year last year because he had a, he was dealing with a lot of injuries, but he's known as somebody who can hit the ball far, but he's not known as a center fielder. They're, they're, they're theoretically putting him in center field, and this is where I think the Red Sox are getting just a little bit fuzzy. I think there are a lot of guys coming in on one-year deals, and Duvall has a real one-year major league deal for $7 million. We'll see how he does in center field. I was talking about this with Mr. Pottymouth, and Mr. Pottymouth said, isn't he old to be in center field? And I said, well, maybe he's a fast old guy or an old fast guy. I don't remember the order, but whichever way it was, I was being 
optimistic about a fast old guy. And old is he? fast guy. Well, we shall see. I okay. don't think he's known for that. But you know who is known for outfield speed is my former boyfriend, Ramel Tapia, who I had chosen back when he was with the Rockies. And then last year, he was with Toronto. He has sort of interesting numbers. They look pretty good, but apparently he just he's not a power hitter, but he has a decent average and he has great speed. And he has great Q-har. I really do appreciate his hair. And he's on a minor league deal as well. So I don't understand what's up with that. The outfield is starting to sort of confuse me a little bit because we've got the guy that they paid a shit ton of money for from Japan, Masataka Yoshida. We've got Alex Verdugo, who, you know, they can get rid of him for all I care. And now we've got Duval. And now we've got Tapia. And now we've got the guy that I picked that I'm going to talk about soon who I thought was going to be a starting outfielder, but now it's sort of like you got to earn your place in that outfield. It's pretty crowded out there. And I'm wondering, like, then there's Kike Hernandez, who now is going to be the starting shortstop after Trevor Story's injury, but he was such a dynamic center fielder. So I don't know. Something's going to ha- It's all going to just mix up and come together. But what I did sleep on was your former boyfriend from 2019, Nico Goodrum, also on a minor league deal. He also did this. You picked him in his best year ever. Mm-hmm. And then he declined since then. But maybe he can go back to that. So He's he kind of a utility minor, guy. So it wasn't my fault. It was, yeah, you, okay. you picked him at exactly the right that time. That almost never happens. <laughs> right. So maybe, I don't know, but 2019 wasn't so long ago. And he can play pretty much anywhere. I think they have him slated for infield, but again, so is Kike. They could, so there's a lot of versatility there. Um, and then the, the last little little dude that I wanted to mention is another previous boyfriend of, that I had chosen, Justin Turner, who they're missing so much in LA and still love so much in LA that today, January 22nd, is Justin Turner Day in LA. And they do it by giving back. So he's known a lot, and, and he had gotten their um, Clemente nomination, yeah. right? Yep. He sure and he did. got Clemente overall for his volunteering. And so they celebrate Justin Turner Day by giving blood, bringing uh, – there's a food bank collection. There are volunteer opportunities. There is a lot of stuff to do to honor what Justin Turner stands for, and I hope that Boston ends up following suit. Um, Craig Calcitera, in his latest uh, – what is it, coffee something blog that he puts out, called the Red Sox an assemblage of misfit boys. Oh, look, we're and, carrying on the, like, the sort of one-off <laughs> holiday theme. Right. But I was, that harkens back to the 2004 team where um, what's it, Johnny Damon called them the idiots, something idiots. And so I was thinking, misfit boys, that's another like shock the shit out of everybody. Maybe the misfit boys will come together and – do something notable. That's what I'm hoping. So that's I, a boyfriend rundown of boyfriends of ours from everywhere except the Red Sox, yet I got to talk about them while talking about the Red Sox. You are magical the way you <laughs> can crazy? do that. I am also going to mention the freaking Red Sox because <laughs> my former boyfriend from way back, Tommy Pham, who's been on like every team since then, he's 34 years old, was just signed by the Mets for a one-year $6 million deal. Huh. Like last year, he started the season in Cincinnati and then was traded to Boston at the trade deadline. 
And I just want to know if he has a no slapping clause. Because <laughs> if you remember, he slapped Jack Peterson because of a fantasy football? It was a fantasy football I league think so. situation. M- managed by Mike Trout, Managed right? by Mike Trout. But somehow Jack Peterson had to take it for the team because there was some trash talk, apparently, yeah. on, on my other former boyfriend, Jack Peterson's. And there, and so there was there was some slapping. Yeah, and and Tommy Pham has been he's got issues. He's got he's been mixed up with some some stuff. I think before you get to conversations with your dad, you should hand me your empty glass. And, yes, and the next beer. I'm gonna put you in charge we of are, pouring this beer. Okay, you're on the right. All right. Okay. I, which is is rare. I'm usually leaning to the left. Well, but yeah, but I'm pouring, so I get to be the left. All right. Okay, so conversations with dad this week. Dad is listening. Hey, Dad. Hi, Bob. I hope you like the episode. Uh, so, Sorry Dad, about all the, the Santa's butt references. Right. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I am in trouble. So, Dad's been working out uh, a lot. So, this is my my dad, who's who's um, you know older than me by quite a bit, and I'm getting up there. I get I that, just, man. Yeah. I probably shouldn't go around saying dad's age since though dad's listening, but I'm very impressed with my dad because he's been working out regularly. And for those of you who have missed this, he happens to be working out at the Y where Carl Yastrzemski's trainer also works. It's sort of like his side gig, or maybe the Carl Yastrzemski chaining is, is a side gig. But dad has been chatting this guy up, and he told me that he's giving him good tips about the weights and the exercises. All and right. I said, so he said, the trainer at the Y is doing this. And I said, you mean the Carl Yastrzemski trainer? And he said, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Also, though, I, so I, I will go stray just for a moment away from the Red Sox. Luis Arraez, who was my pick from 2020, so it was slightly early pick for the Twins because last year he did get the batting title. He's been traded to the Marlins, which is just just kind of astounds me. I mean, it seems like the Twins are getting a decent payback for it. They're getting Pablo Lopez, who is they're both Venezuelan, both Arraez and Lopez, I believe. Um, I know Arias is, and two prospects, one of whom is 17. I was like, wow, they must have just signed him. But he is the first player to be traded the season after winning the batting title since Rod Carew, whose memoir I just finished, who also got traded from the Twins. And he pretty much got traded from the Twins because he was pretty vocal about not being happy, um, not being happy there. So I don't know. Arias is, you know, I, I would think that Twins fans would be super sad to see him go. But he's going to the Marlins where there's a huge Venezuelan community. And so what I saw out of him is that, you know, he's sad to be leaving this place that it was his his team and his home. But he's going to Miami from Minnesota. If you're a Venezuelan, that's going to be a little bit more welcoming climate, both, you know, weather-wise and, and culture-wise, right? right? Yeah. Culture and fans. So, and he gets to join Johnny Cueto, also just went there. And, like, his Welcome to Miami video, have you seen this? i Oh, it's gorgeous. He walks out onto the field wearing the Dominican flag, walks up to the pitcher's mound, and does a little merengue. It's like oh, you fantastic. get to see it and the Q-Har on him. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he's always had yeah. the Q-Har. That's for sure. Yeah. So the Marlins are going to be fun to watch this year. So um, in today's police blotter, mm, they I'll can- drink to that. <laughs> the Royals um, lead off the police blotter because they signed Araldis frickin' Chapman mm. to a one-year contract for $3.75 million. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. No, no, he was not even good last year. He was not good last year. Also, you know, he's got some some violence issues yeah. that you know he's not. 
Yeah, he's not on, a, on any of our good lists, right. for sure. If we're going to talk Santa's butt, he's, he's on a naughty right. list, for darn sure. And Royals, you did not have to do that, and you did, so we're citing you with a police blotter. Yeah. Um, the other police blotter situation is involving the Orioles' ownership. Oh, no. First, there's a little bit of good news, but I'm telling you the good news as part of this okay. because it was the same press conference where the good news was announced, where the crappy stuff started to happen. So John Angelos is um, the the Angelos family, the owners of the Orioles. So John Angelos was representing the Orioles um, and had a joint press conference with the mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott, which hmm. I think sounds like a baseball name. Yeah. Don't you think Brandon yeah. Scott would play baseball? So at this joint press conference, they announced that the Orioles were donating $5 million to Baltimore's college-bound Nonprofit, which helps Baltimore City students with post-secondary education, everything from helping them with the application process and, and learning about schools to also helping them pay tuition. They have like a, a last dollars program to help mm. them, you know, to pay for school. And this is huge because it actually doubled the annual budget for this organization. Wow. So that's huge. That's so what, this sounds like a good thing. It is a very good thing. So, But the issue with John Angelos is he's never available to the media. Ah. So the last two times he was in front of the media were um, last year at this time to announce Paul McCartney's concert at... Um, at Camden Yards, at Orioles Park at Camden Yards, hmm. and then in 2019 to announce, in January, to announce Billy Joel's upcoming summer concert at Orioles Park at Camden Yards, and nothing in between. I see a theme. So, so sports journalists contacted the <laughs> Orioles and said, is he going to be available to answer yeah. other questions from the media, or is it just going to be... And the team staff led the sportscasters to believe he was going to be available to talk about you know actual Orioles things in addition to this wonderful donation which no one has a problem with this is great they announced it on Martin Luther King Day which is very appropriate for this kind of of donation well if you remember a while back I talked about how um, John Angelos and his mother are being sued by his brother Lewis because of weird takeover. Lewis feeling like he was being cut out of the ownership stuff, mm-hmm. like really like family drama, right? So that was happening, and no one official from the family had addressed that. Um, the Orioles' lease on Orioles Park at Camden Yards expires at the end of this year. Oh, um, the the extension has to be signed by February first. So. That actually was the first question that came up, to which he sort of you kind of brushed off, said, "Yeah, don't worry, we'll take care of it." Didn't really like talk about it, but you know. But then, so like all of these things have been going on, like all this drama, and uh-huh. he's never available to talk about. It. So there he is; he's right there. So, um, so Don Connolly from the Athletic says, "Okay, can you talk about?" the ownership situation. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that are important about this are and also address the mayor saying, are you comfortable with this relationship knowing that the ownership may be in flux? Because, you know, the, the Angelos family has said, oh no, the, the Orioles will stay in Baltimore, but have also talked about maybe they're going to sell the team. So he, he was trying to like get John Angelos to talk about this. And Angelos kind of had a little mini freak out. A little mini freak out where I kept saying, we can't talk about this on Martin Luther King Day. Oh. And, but went on and on. Like, he, like, for like, for several minutes went on about how it's very important to stick to the point, even though he'd gone way off the point at that point. And, Mm. and he just. Raising flags. Raising all kinds of flags. And so a lot of folks in Baltimore are like, what the hell is going on? Why are you putting yourself out there? If you're, why aren't you talking about these things? At least make us all like, calm us down. Yeah. But he was inciting things like, do you understand me now? And he was talking about like 
the, you know, these these kids in Baltimore not having like a, a chance in hell, like like his language kind of deteriorated. Yeah. And it's like oh, I call that improvement. Well, for you, it would, <laughs> but but you know, honest to God, if you were doing a press conference, yeah. you would watch your language. Mm, I'd watch you, it. You would. You would. And when, when we um, debriefed about it afterwards, you would swear up a storm because you had been saving it up. Yeah. But yeah, so he really kind of spun a little bit out of control. So there's, he raised more concerns than he solved there. So the, the one sort of encouraging thing that I, I read about Orioles Park at Camden Yards in the past couple of days is that they have a new concessions deal. So my hope is that they fucking bring back draft beer. That was the roughest. I mean, I, I love my Steady Eddies. Those are so good. But, you know, if there's a new concessions, folks, you know, draft See, that's beer, funny. I thought beer. you were going to say you need more more vegetarian options, which is oh. also the case. <laughs> well, there's that. Because, so they took away the draft beer um, from COVID and hadn't brought it and back they, yet. Yeah. I think they thought, oh, this is a, it's a lot easier. Mm. This is a lot easier. But you're right. I'm hoping they can make a deal with Checker is, is Spot. That as, is that as much of a crime, however? Is that a police plot? It might be. Wait, but well, no, lack of draft beer lack of draft a, beer. A, a, a crime in many situations, often in situations that we are involved in. Sure. Santa's butt. Sure. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say that randomly to see if you still That's, laugh. Yeah, well, we finished Santa's butt. So we now did. we, we, we have moved we, on we to the last generation. We kicked Santa's butt to the curb. <laughs> we kicked and, Santa's butt. And yeah, and, and now we're drinking the Dunkle right. from the last generation. The Dunkle is really yeah. very tasty, I'm just saying. Oh, man, we have so much show to go and so little time. And but whose fault is that? that? Totally my fault. Okay, good. Um, I think, no, we could share maybe in the future. No, it's my fault. Yeah. All right, Red Sox. <laughs> Speaking about time sucks. We haven't talked so, about the Red Sox in 10 seconds. I, I almost did a, a phone to the commish situation before the Red Sox pick because our rules... Do you mean me or Mike Trout because we're both that, commissioners? Well, that would be you in this case okay. because our fantasy baseball rules are that we have to pick all new guys every year, but we have we can keep one holdover. Mm -hmm. And so my current forever, and we call them their forever boyfriend, even though they change. So my current forever boyfriend is Juan Soto. But I almost called you to see if I could go back to Kike because I nope. picked Kike. So the answer would have been no anyway. The answer would have been no because okay. I'd wanted to go back to Josh Bell and others. Right. Like, no, we can't do that. We can't go we back. We can only move forward. Well, I'm You can glad. keep them in your hearts. All right. Well, I, I I worked I workshopped it a little Did bit you? with okay. with Mr. Potty Mouth to begin with because okay. I was like, do I pick this guy or do I plead the commish to go back to Kike? Mr. Pot, Mr. Potty Mouth said, "You keep Juan Soto. We are not talking a popularity contest. We're talking fantasy baseball. So by somebody who is our opponent in the fantasy league, I thought this was pretty magnanimous of him." trying to get me to have a fucking decent team. You don't think he's trying to fool you? He could be. He's a I, smart that guy. could have been. That could have been. Guy. Yeah, I don't I mean the whole thing about Kike starting at shortstop is all shades of beat. I hope to fuck he pulls it off because he had been classic utility with the Dodgers and then he came over to the Red Sox and he was supposed to be second base and they put him in center field and they put My him. brain just said, "Look, shiny thing." Yeah. <laughs> so that's Kike. But now that Trevor Story got injured, which you know, or is getting surgery, which you don't wish ill on anybody but this is Kike's chance and Alex Cora has pretty much said like you are our starting shortstop and he said it's his dream come true like he is he grew up playing shortstop he thinks that all of his skills can be pulled together for it so yeah just go look up Kike's interview about being shortstop I am going to get confused unfortunately I've already gotten confused between the two guys that I'm picking today because they are both Guys who played multiple sports as kids. They both played for the national U.S. team as kids. 
They both have a sister who is an athlete, a younger sister, and they both went to school in Arizona. So I've already gotten confused, and if you like do some fact-checking on me, just please forgive. But my Red Sox pick, which actually I had my eye on him last season, Rob Refsnyder. He is maybe going to be an outfielder, but at this point it's looking like he's getting toward the bench depending on what happens with the previously mentioned Red Sox outfield. He's 31 years old. He's been around for a while. He was born in Seoul, Korea, and adopted. And the World Baseball Classic Korean team reached out to him last year and said, you know, you can play for us because you were born in Korea, and that counts. So far, I haven't seen any uh, inkling of him actually taking them up on the offer. He's not on the roster at this point. I can hope. Um, the, it, it also shows that the nature versus nurture thing is interesting because he grew up, you know, he's ado- adopted as was his sister, grew up in a very sports-oriented family, and they both are serious athletes. So his dad played basketball in college. His sister also played college, or is probably is playing college softball, and kind of beat her brother with her lifetime average at this point is 295. They're both adopted from Korea. I'm not sure if from the fa- same family or not. But um, Rob, in, co- in high school, played lots of sports, including high school football, and was quarterback his senior year despite excelling at baseball at the same time and having played both soccer and basketball as a kid. So he's sort of just an all-around athlete and grew up in an athletic home. Totally a good relationship with his family, with his sister. Was drafted in 2012 out of the University of Arizona by the Yankees. And I really appreciate it when the Red Sox get a player who does well with them that wasn't doing well with the Yankees because so many times it goes the other way. There's one clearly obvious historic uh, reference that I'm not going to go into. But his first year with the Yankees did had a 302 average. And then 2017, so 2015 to 17 is when he was actually playing in the majors, went down to 135, but all a very small sample. So in any season that he played in the majors, he didn't play more than 58 games anywhere. So that's including those three years with the Yankees, and then actually 17 half season with the Blue Jays, 2018 with the Rays, batting average around Mendoza, a little bit under. With the Rangers in 2020, it was actually at Mendoza, which is that 200 line. Creeping up, though, so he's on the right trajectory. He played with the Twins in 21 with 245, and then last year with the Red Sox, did pretty fantastic when he wasn't being injured. <laughs> he had a, a 307 average, and I have recollections of many games sitting there with Mr. Pottymouth saying, we like this Ref Snyder guy. Seems really great. So overall, that averages out to a career 242 with only 12 home runs, but half of those were last year with the Red Sox. One of them went over the green monster into a windshield, (laughs) cracked the windshield of the car, of the roof on the parking garage, and the car owner got to keep the ball. And I think he got it signed. I don't know. He, he deserved a lot. I think he also got a new windshield. Okay, that was, that was my follow-up question. Yeah. That the ball's great, mm-hmm. but unless you sell it, you still got to pay for the... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that was covered. So in 2007, huh. when he was mere 16 years old, he was with the USA national team at the World Youth Championships in Venezuela. He played in Cape Cod, which, you know, backyard of Boston, so to speak, 2011. 
rocked it in the Cape Cod League with a 308 average. 2012, he was the most outstanding player of the 2012 College World Series, where he played for Arizona and beat the University of South Carolina. At that time, and this is like the, the we go back into the, to the Twitter logs with a lot of our boyfriends, and if they have, have tweeted in the past something offensive in any way, especially racist or homophobic, no matter how long it, it was ago, we just, that's never going to be a boyfriend list. So, so Ref Snyder had a, a young tweet that he has apologized for, yet I'm going to keep him because what he, what he said after this experience of playing in the College World Series, where he had to play some games in South Carolina as an Asian American, said never live in South Carolina because they can't accept Asians playing baseball. And that's because he got death threats. Like, he got just some nasty, nasty messages. And so he apologized for the tweet. Because, of course, you know, that came back at him, especially when he ended up in South Carolina for the minors with the, in the Yankee oh, system. Oh, ouch. Yeah. yeah, that was his first minor league team was in South Carolina. But he said, when people make death threats to my family and myself for being a certain color or race, it caused some animosity. So I will yeah, more enough. than forgive him for that tweet because I would actually have retweeted something like that. I think, you know, power to him. The other wonderful thing about him is his, his giving back, his charity work. 2017, he spent time in the Dominican Republic with the group Striking Out Poverty, working with another group, Food for the Hungry. In 2016, he was with, when he was with the Yankees, he was uh, elected by the Major League Baseball Players Association, the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award, the famous union organizer for on-field performances and contributions to the community. He partnered with Athlete Brand to design a t-shirt benefiting a kid's place, which is a, an organization that helps foster kids who are removed from their homes for some reason. But he talked about it being important to him because he's an adopted kid and so looking out for other adopted kids. And when he was in New York, did good things with uh, elementary school students going to Harlem and planting with them. Do, there's an organization called Harlem Grown, and he actually hung out with the little kids and learned something about healthy eating to boot. So I'm excited about Rob Refsteiner. Nice. I think it's a good pick. I think he's a good pick too. But I love Kike. Um, yes, yes you do. Um, so I was fixed up by Potty Mouth <laughs> with, with um, Tristan Casas. I love and, to do that um, with And I'm good guys. with that because I, he's going to be, he's lovely. He's a lovely human and I th I, I'm all for it. So, um, so Tristan is a first baseman. He's only 23 and he's from Miami, where you know you may have heard that we're yeah we're going, going to Miami too. Yeah, so he's a three times gold medalist with USA Baseball, including he was the the tournament MVP and the youngest player on the 18U team that won the 2017 World Championship. Wow. He was also six foot three and 241 pounds, so he wow. was the biggest position player on the team and the main power hitter. Six but three at age eighteen. He's a big boy. Wow. He's a big boy. Now I think he was under eighteen. It's the eighteen U. Wow. Because he, he was the youngest player. I think he was a sophomore. He was a kid. So that's important because he did something that I didn't know one could do in order to be eligible for the high school draft. He actually compressed his sophomore and junior years into one year so he could graduate a year early wow. to be eligible for the draft 
a That's year amazing. early. So one story I read said, oh, yeah, he graduated a year early. I was like, okay, so does that mean you skipped a grade or whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, I skipped third grade, so I technically graduated a year early. That's not what he did. He did twice as much work in one year in order to graduate early. So what wow. he said in 2017 was, I'd made the decision in October, but I wanted to finish this semester and make sure to get my credits. In the new year, that's when I start homeschooling 10th grade to finish huh. 10th grade. And between, and then he's got to finish 11th grade by August of that same year. So he did like one regular semester as a sophomore and then started homeschooling, I think, on top of his other classes in order to compress his second semester of sophomore year and all of his junior year by August. Crazy. And he said, I'll barely have time to do anything. My schedule will get very busy. Yeah, also, you know, so. baseball, right? Yeah. He played baseball. But in 2018, he became a first round pick for Boston with yeah. more than a $2.5 million signing bonus. So that worked out okay. But oh my God, the amount of discipline and mm-hmm. hard work and time management and yep. dedication to get to that point, you know, in addition to playing on three Team USA teams and, and all of this, like doing all of your baseball, which as you know, you know, athletes, that's hours a day, mm-hmm. every day, you know, in season and out of season, and he still did it. In 2019, he became the first Red Sox minor leaguer to have more than 20 home runs in a season before turning 20 years old, which is the first um, since uh, Xander Bogarts did it in 2012. Oh, I'm going to cry. He won. Uh, he was on the USA Olympic team in 2020 that brought home the silver mm-hmm. medal. Um, and last season, he started with the Woo Sox. And then mm-hmm. his call-up, you know, uh, was because Eric Hosmer, who was a first baseman, started having back issues. Yep. Right? So he got the call-up. Turns out he and Eric Hosmer went to the same high school. Really? And Eric Hosmer sort of, like, took him under his wing a little bit to mentor him, um, which was actually pretty kind. Yeah. It was like, you know, I, 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 you know, we were from the same place. I get yeah. you. I want to help you. Um, so we kind of saw him as, as a mentor. His debut um, wasn't until September of this past season. Um, he said that at his first at-bat, he didn't feel his body. <laughs> which I liked the Turner phrase. We talk about yeah. what does it feel like the first time you're out there. I didn't feel my body. He did get his first hit in the fifth inning when he when he hit a line drive past Corey Seager. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. His first Fenway home run was on the 14th of September versus the Yankees. It did oh, go. So yay. this is similar to your story. It went over the Green Monster, but it hit a sign. So if it didn't <laughs> hit the sign, it would have hit the street. Uh-huh. So it went over, but not all the way over. Um, he plays, he's been playing winter ball with the Tigres, which I think you're going to talk about Ooh. when we get to the winter ball summary, because that's pretty exciting news. Um, I was amused that the thing that, that Potty Mouth sent me to, to like, <laughs> to, to tempt me, <laughs> to lure you, to tempt right. me, to lure me into, um, the selecting Tristan was an article about his delightful Twitter account. Which it is. It's so nice to have something delightful on Twitter. It's delightful. He's got a lovely sense of humor. Yeah. And you kind of get a picture of his brain, which is a <laughs> fascinating place I'm learning. So I will I will link to that for sure so you can enjoy his delightful Twitter presence. But the thing that I thought was kind of wonderful and hilarious was his shirtless pregame um, routine. Oh. Are you aware of this? No. This See, I, I don't missed. think you would not have given him up. Oh, my. For that. So, so. On his debut, he was out there in the outfield in only a pair of shorts, hmm. sort of like laying there in the middle of the outfield on the grass doing stretches. I'm like, um, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. And he said, this is his defense of his shirtless pregame, was I don't necessarily like caffeine. I'm like, okay, where are you going with this? 
I don't drink coffee or energy drinks. I feel better after I get some sunlight on my body. And that's what I do. I go out there in the grass, and I don't think too much of it in terms of grounding or any science behind it, but I just feel better after I do it. He's just soaking up some rays out so there. So he's soaking some up some rays in Boston. So I think that probably <laughs> right. worked the first weekend in September. I'm not sure how it's going to work at the beginning of the season, but right. we, we think he's like the first baseman, man. Have fun in April. Yeah, so. he's he's totally the first baseman, and and his the shots of him at the at the this winter weekend. This weekend mm-hmm. was Red Sox winter weekend. He's having a fucking blast. He's totally doing the the selfies all over the place. There are those showing up on his delightful Twitter account. I, I I'm not sure. I need to check. It's <laughs> showing up on whatever Red Sox account that I've been I've been looking at. Um, but there have been rumors about signing him to a multiple-year thing. Yeah, which he's open to. Who would not be open to being you right. know, offered a an extension, especially at this young age? Yeah, I think it's a little early. Yeah. I think it's – I mean, he seems like a great guy. But, but I also think... the Red Sox, as you described, seem yeah. to be way into the one-year deal thing yeah. right now, so aren't looking for – long-term commitments they're still in the dating around yeah. phase they're playing they're playing the field as, as one says except for that Raphael Devers thing and and, yeah. the, and the um Yoshida thing yeah but outside of that we'll see I don't know um young guys I got a young guy from the D-backs Corbin Carroll whose name has been batted around shall we say as a potential rookie of the year for the National League so I might be throwing my hat in there left field 22 years old he's a youngin Born in Seattle, so his mom's from Taiwan, but I have not seen any, and of course everything comes back to the World Baseball Classic at this point, so he could play for the Taiwan team in the World Baseball Classic. He is not on their roster. Um, But again, very tight family, younger sister, Campbell, who's also an athlete. Campbell and Corbin Carroll? Yeah, gosh, I didn't even put that together. Very, very sweet. Yeah, there there was a, a little comment about he's he's just he's young, but he has a very mature, put together way about him. And when they were having some of those um dinners, you know, courting him by the, the D back staff, apparently his his sister arrived late and he sort of like dropped the ball with whoever he was talking for from the D-backs to go over and hug his sister and congratulate her from her game that she was just coming from. And he said that that his family means so much to him because of the support he feels like he owes them so much. So it's kind of like, you know, I've gotten here and I recognize the people who who got me here, really, you know, parents and sister. He grew up a Mariners fan, idolizing Ichiro as one would do of that age, and was super athletic growing up, was on a club soccer team in middle school, played varsity football as a freshman, showed up last minute to the to the tryouts, and, like, showed up just in time to do the 40-yard dash, had not had a chance to change into his cleats. He was still wearing <laughs> tennis shoes and did 40 yards in 4.51 seconds and got to be on varsity as a freshman and, and backup quarterback as well. So he also, like, this is my confusion here, also played on the international United States team, playing internationally, 18 and under team, that won the gold in the Pan American Championships 
And I felt like, didn't I just say that? So a couple weeks ago when I did my Tigers pick, Riley Green was on the same team and they are the same age. So I'm just going to infer that they were good buddies. Um, (laughs) But Corbin actually was the last guy to make the team, which you could like look at the glass half empty and be like, shit, you know, like I just made it. That sucks. But he took it as motivation. Like, all right, I'm in here. That means I'm just going to keep working and getting better. He committed to UCLA, but was drafted, you know, out of high school in 19 by the D-backs. D-backs also, at the time, their catcher, Carson Kelly, had completed an online degree when he was in the minors, and the two of them sort of talked about it. And, boyfriend. And yeah, so this is like a, a big, you know, plus for you, for sure. He said, I'm going to get my degree. But the difference with, with Corbin was that he wanted to do it, he wanted to get the full college experience. So he went to ASU and was taking in-person classes when not playing baseball. So like take a semester there in person and then a semester off and play baseball. Um, and, and then I'm going to get to he got injured and ended up taking more time there. But just that kind of wanting to have the normal kid life. And, and he, he even said that he wanted to be around people who are different, people who aren't just baseball people. He wanted to be in that diverse, you know, college experience and, and is going for a financial degree like his mom, but tying it into ballplayers and wanting to do, and God knows that ballplayers need a little bit of financial advice, you know, guys who get all this money too young and wants to work with ballplayers on that. So he is a studier. He studies himself, analyzes the swing, carries around a notebook, his journals, to sort of take notes. He was in the minors, and then 2020 happens, right? And we talk about so many people losing 2020. He actually made it to the alt site in 2020 at age 19. So one of the youngest people to do that. 21, back into minors, he was in a high A. And there was that one day and that one bad swing. And his shoulder just didn't move right and ended up being a season-ending surgery. And his mom, like, sort of sums up, like, what the the family attitude was and says, we are not a pity party family. So he took out his journal. He made a plan. He got a full load at ASU. He also watched D-backs games from the stands with his notebook and took notes and hung out with their scouts. And he even got like a little baseball operations employee badge because he was going to games every day. Wow. And not, he wasn't bitter about it. So when he saw his minor league teammates being called up, he was happy on it. And he said, then this quote like totally stuck with me. He said, you can operate on fear or you can operate on love. And he's choosing love. And just like this admiration, this celebration for the guys who made it. So he, um, he hopes, and you know, the charity work is something that we love. He's, it's a goal for him for the future. He wants to do things like make the day of a kid at the ballpark and get more involved in charity work. So he debuted last August, 22, so still super young. He was seventh youngest in the NL at that time. Slash line from last year, 260, 335, and 104 at-bats, which means that he still qualifies for a rookie this year. But at that time, he had the fastest sprint speed in MLB with 30.7 feet a second. So he is in the Rookie of the Year talk, and I'm kind of excited to follow this kid. Most excellent. 
So um, I also picked a young guy from the D-backs, Jake McCarthy, who's a left fielder, although he's played all three outfield positions in the past season. He's 25. He's from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and we're talking about kids who play other sports yeah. in high school. So he, all of his records in high school are for playing football. And wow. they are not at all shabby. He holds the record for his high school for rushing yards, like, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, accumulative over time of 6,080. Rushing yards for a season, 2,105. And also per game, hey. 351 yards in one game. He's also the school's all-time touchdown leader in history with 80, like, so of all of his years playing and season, 30 touchdowns in a season, and five in one game. Wow. So it's kind of hilarious to me that he is a professional baseball player, but all of his high school glory was really centered around football. So he was drafted by Pittsburgh in 2015 out of high school, but he went to University of Virginia instead. And then in 2018, he was a first-round pick by Arizona. He didn't make the 60-man roster in 2020. Um, His offense was bad. So he was on his own for the weird COVID season, right? Because he wasn't at the alternate site or anything. And so he knew his swing was off. So he worked with a a friend who was on his high school team, who was also a pitcher at um, at, uh, a D2 school, to work with him that summer of 2020 to fix his swing. Mm. So they went to the video. They were on the field every day. And they, they changed his swing. They fixed him, and he did it on his own. Like he he had no access to to coaches with the team because he wasn't on the sixty man roster. So he had to figure this out with you know uh, I don't know what do you think we should do? Well, mm. let's watch a video of Jack Peterson, and they did. Or let's watch a video of Mike Trout, and they did. Like maybe I need a leg kick. Let's try that out. And so they worked that through kind of on their own, which is really pretty cool, and it worked. It worked. So his um, his debut was in August of twenty twenty one, where he walked and he scored a run, but his first hit. Um, was two days later uh, versus Philadelphia, which was was a double. And my favorite part of the video of that is he had a Gunnar Henderson moment ah. where his batting helmet oh. flew off and the flow He's got flow. flowed. It doesn't always have flow, but he had oh. flow then. So I think his cue hard depends on the day. Okay. But if you catch the right video, you think, hmm, Gunnar level cue hard. So that, that, <laughs> I mean, I could have based my selection not just on that video, but I'm going with actual more things. But my favorite thing is that same game. Um, he was playing right field, and he threw out Bryce Harper at home. Oh, from short right. So that was pretty exciting. Nice. That was pretty exciting. Um, he made the opening day roster in 2022, but then he ended up getting sent down twice to AAA, kind of early in the season before okay. he came up for like the whole second half. As I said, he, he did play all three outfield positions. Um, he was fifth for the season in the National League on stolen bases with 23. 22 of those were after that second half call-up. So if you remember, he was sent down twice. Mm. So that was a big chunk of the season where Mm -hmm. those stats don't count. So can you imagine what he's going to be able to do with a full season, which is pretty cool. Um, He was fourth place in the National League um, Rookie of the Year voting this past year. So he's not going to be competing with your guy Corbin for that because his his chance was this past year. Now, interestingly, the article that I saw about fastest must have have predated the one that you had about Corbin Uh. because in the one that I saw – um, <laughs> Corbin did not show up in in the top five, but Jake was listed um, as the fourth in fastest players in MLB. Number one was Bobby Witt. Number two uh, was Trey Turner. Number three was Jorge Mateo of the Orioles, okay. and then number four um, was Jake McCarthy with a, a with a thirty point one um, foot per second, which beats Corbin. 
Yeah. Well, no, Corbin was was, was thirty point seven. Yeah. He was faster. Oh, you want the you want the bigger number because it's feet per second. Oh, it's yep. the feet. Yeah, I got and it. then O'Neill Cruz was fifth on that yeah. one. So actually, right. so I think Bobby Witt was it was at thirty point seven. So he would have okay. been right there with, at the number one spot if if that date was the right place. So his older gotcha. brother Joe McCarthy um, was with the Ooh, Giants for a while. Unfortunate name. I know. So but, <laughs> yeah, try try the Twitter the, the Google search with that one. Oh my god. Um, so he's now with the Rangers. You formerly with the Giants. They actually played against each other in AAA, which made it easy oh. on the parents to figure out where to go see again. Yeah, right. But they're pals. Like they go to games together. Or they used to go to games together. Um, but they also have some like off season shenanigans. So when they're both they're both home <laughs> in Scranton. Like over in the off season in 2021, they went to the Triple A field and they had a contest. So they got the, the same pitcher that worked with Jake to fix his swing. He came out with them to to be like their their batting practice uh. pitcher. And their their game was who was the first one of them to hit a ball with an exit velocity of 110 miles per hour because oh. the stadium had had a hit track system so they could figure it out. That's so cool. So like, okay, we're just gonna do this. But, you know, we don't need a home run derby. This is all about exit velocity. So. Um, they had, you know, both of them were 108, 109, and finally, Jake won. He was the first to get to 110, although the pitcher said later, I think Joe got 111 later, but it was first. Jeez. The thing was, who was going to be first? Ah. So I, I like that, that they, you know, have some fun. They, you know, hang out together. They they share some some baseball love with one another. Um, so there were two quotes that I liked. One of them was about him being a teammate, which was, when I look around and see Dalton Varsho play or mm. Corbin Carroll, it's inspiring. It helps you kind of make you want to do your job for the guy next to you, yeah. which I like. It's about, here, I work, we're in this together. I want to be part of this team. And then also there's like, okay, what? how do you look at your own play, specifically as an individual? Mm-hmm. I just want to be the best version of myself every single day. And when things do go south, which they will over the course of a seven-month season, I just want to be able to limit how long I'm not contributing. It's just trying to continue to be creative and finding ways I can impact the game. So I'm pretty excited about um, Jake McCarthy as my guy for the Diamondbacks this year. Whichever outfield position he ends up playing could be any of them. Way better than Joe. Way better. Well, you know, his brother Joe separate from other Joe. Yeah. So next week, um, we're looking at the White Sox and the Giants. So if you have Oof. suggestions for that, please let us know your picks. Um, we, we like the blind date, so fix yeah. us up. Yeah, and we need some. All right, we are going international now. I've been having so much fun following Winter Ball because it's all kind of coming to that epic conclusion. All the winter leagues are coming to the end, which builds up to the Serie de Caribe, which is happening the first week of February, February 2nd to 10th. So each Latin American winter league is going to have their championship team that moves on to the Serie. And like I said before, in Liram, it's going to be the Tigres de Licey who won their 23rd championship, which means that they are the all-time champs. They just passed. They had been tied up with the Aguilas Sabayanas for total championships, and now they're moving on. On to Venezuela. The finals start this week. So the final teams are the Leones del Caracas and the Tiborones, who got their initial boost by Ronald Acuna, who got to play a few games with them at the beginning of the season. And at that time, his contract said that there was an option that he could come back if they were in the finals. So the big question is, will Will he he come back? And he could go back from the Serie A, but... If what the the trend is with his ability to pay, play in the World Baseball Classic holds, I'm thinking that the chances are pretty lame because very recently he has an Insta- had an Instagram story that was very very quickly deleted 
where he said, I being Venezuelan want to play and represent my country. So here he's talking about the World Baseball Classic. If MLB is organizing the event, why are some players getting permission to play and others don't? Like me. Hmm. So it seems like Atlanta does not want him to be playing in the World Baseball Classic. There's going to be a huge hole in the outfield for Venezuela. And the, the, the competition is tight because that group is Venezuela, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico. Only two of them are moving on to the quarterfinals. And without him, it's it's going to be rough. So we'll see. We'll see what the Atlanta organization. They probably don't give a shit. Fuck it. You know, <laughs> like whatever. Santa's butt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We haven't talked about Santa's pot for a while. Still works. In Puerto Rico, they are tied at two each. So this, you guys might be hearing this on Tuesday. So this might have been decided by now. But right now, the Gigantes de Carolina, which is actually the team that I had picked many years ago um, as my Puerto Rican team. But the Mayagüez team is being coached by Mako Oliveras, who brought them up from like almost not making the playoffs to now being in the finals. So Mako, if you haven't been listening to us, he was our very first interview on this. And I totally want to go back and listen. I don't know. Maybe I don't. He is 76 years old at this point, And he is the Puerto Rican manager with most wins in the Puerto Rican league with seven and the most appearances in the finals with 13. The manager on the other side for the Gigantes, Edwards Guzman, hits his first time in the finals. He was eight years old when Mako first won his final game in 1985, and he actually played on the team for Mako in 2000 as a reinforcement. So that when things get, you know, move toward the finals and teams get eliminated, the teams that are still going on get to pick like the best players from those teams. So that was Guzman. So they have fond memories of him playing for him, but now it's at the point with cutthroat. So who do you want to see in the Puerto Rican finals? You want to see Patty's 22 Pirates boyfriend, Roberto Bebo Perez, who is now a free agent. So maybe the Red Sox will pick him up too. I don't know. You might want to see Pudge Rodriguez's son, Derek Rodriguez, who is brought on by a, a reinforcement from the Caguas, and he's currently in the Twins organization. Oh. For the Gigantes, you might want to see Tsung Che Cheng, who, uh, shout out to my Taiwanese baseball followers, he was drafted at age 17 by the Pirates from Taiwan. He played last year in uh, Colombia for the team that had had that won it all, that won the Serie de Caribe, despite the fact that Colombia, prior to last year, had never won a game in the Serie de Caribe. And so not only did they go from playing but to actually winning the whole thing so that is the basics except for one small thing the the women not small huge the women's league in puerto rico the lobos de recibo are the champions Woo. to no surprise the the big shocker was what i said last week that they had actually lost a game for the first time in a few years but they are the champs for the 11th time which means they've been champions of of women's baseball in puerto rico all but two times and i'm just thinking why haven't we had women's champion national championships on the mainland here all that time but power to the women in puerto rico setting an example power to the women in high a baseball yeah so um, stuff is happening here. so this is pretty exciting we have um two teams making some news um by appointing women to important roles in high a minor league system the blue jays just appointed Ashley Stevenson as their uh, coach in their high A on their high A team. Um, 
Ashley played, it was a high school phys ed teacher most recently and was a coach, a high school coach, where she coached both um, boys and girls in baseball, ice hockey, and field hockey. And wow. she would spend her summers playing for the Canadian national team. She played for the Canadian national team for 15 years and then more recently has coached the national women's team. So she was discovered um, by the Blue Jays because she would work with the Blue Jays Academy to coach kids' clinics, which were mostly, Mm -hmm. I think, volunteer situations and just periodic, but she was kind of like somebody that she knew that knew somebody that knew somebody saw her and said, have you ever thought about coaching, you know, for real, like in in the majors? And she said, yeah, man, but I'm a 40-year-old female. No one's banging down the door to hire me. Oof. Right? Ouch. And she's... that. Of course. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely that's life, true. Right? Um, because also, like, she ended up as a high school phys ed teacher yeah. instead of, like, going from the national team to a coaching position for a professional team yeah. or any of that. So she did attend the Take the Field Conference, which is one of the MLB-sponsored, uh, yeah. you know, help women get into the field of baseball um, in 2019, but was kind of turned off because, I mean, that's when, like, Rachel, is it Belkovic? I never uh, Belkovich, it. yeah. Belkovic, Belkovic um, spoke. And, you know, she was, like, the first woman manager in the minors. It was really exciting. But she talked about all the sacrifices that she yeah, made. Yeah, she went through hell. She went right? through hell. And Ash is like, you know, I have got a house and a yeah. family and all of this. And I, men don't have to make those sacrifices. Right. I'm not giving up these things that I have because I don't want to. Number one, but number two, it doesn't seem like that's a that's parody. That's not that's not fair yep. right there. So two years later, she went back to this conference. Actually, it was on Zoom. She didn't have to go anywhere for the conference. But, <laughs> but she had made some connections, and her resume got shared, and people paid attention to her. And the the Blue Jays sent her to um, to Florida to spend a week at their their um, player development complex oh, nice. with, with the rookie team to kind of like test drive her and mm-hmm. give her a chance to see what it's like working with the players of that you know, that, that rookie age that the new kids and it, both both sides I said she thought it was a great experience she loved it and she made a really good impression so she will now be the fourth coach um, on the, the coaching staff for the Vancouver Canadians. Um, the specific position that she will have as a coach is still to be determined, but she's on the coaching staff. Uh, the minor league um, teams all just Woo-hoo. announced their coaching staffs. Um, she's the second female coach in the Toronto organization nice. where there's a hitting coach named um, Jamie Vieira. So nice. that's pretty exciting. Also, the Diamondbacks, we're talking about them already yeah. today, um, have appointed a new manager for their high A Hillsborough Hops, Ronnie Gajownik. So she's the first woman to manage a high A team. So now there are women in different levels in the minors. So when she was a kid, her dad would pull her out of school for a day here and there. She grew up in Florida to go to spring training games. Good parenting. Right? Where she never saw anybody that looked like her. Yeah. Right? Um, she played uh, softball in college. Mm-hmm. She played baseball for, for USA Women's Baseball, was a gold medalist on that team in 2015 in the Pan American Games. So softball and baseball. Um, she spent the last season as the first base coach of the Amarillo's, uh, Amarillo Sod Poodles, which are the Diamondbacks A team. Her call-up was because of an injury, just like players get their call-up because funny. of an injury. So the first base coach got hit in the foot oh. you know, by a batted ball. And had to come out of the game. And so her call-up was, like, instantaneous. Go Sweet. go out there. It's you. And then she kept that position. Um, she'd been with the HOPS organization, the high A organization, earlier do, um, doing video, which 
was really important because that's where the scouting information comes from. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, hey, I'm, you know, I'm filming this. It's uh, analyzing it and figuring out what's important. Um, but she's one of the ones, because of her experience as a kid going to baseball games and not seeing anybody like her, that really gets the importance of her having this job. She said um, the visibility aspect of this is huge. Oh, yeah. Because, again, it's showing little girls and showing women that we're breaking the glass ceiling and we're leaving breadcrumbs for everybody behind mm-hmm. us for us just to keep adding on to it to see how far we can go. And then later on said, hopefully all the little girls and the women who are seeing this know that if you're if you're qualified, you can do it. Yeah. And that's all you need to be. If you're qualified, you can go ahead and do whatever it is you're passionate about. So I, I think she's going to be a really super good role model because she understands like love of baseball, expertise in baseball, but yep. also what the bigger picture is. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure, though. There, were, there was something that I saw about her that, that was saying that, you know, if – you're a guy, and you fuck up, yes. and then she probably said, then then they're gonna get another guy. There's a hundred guys waiting right. in line. But yeah. if you're a woman and you screw up, yep. you're like burning bridges mm. for all the women behind you because you're gonna be judged, yep. and all of those women are gonna be judged by you. So like the pressure you're representing for a your woman, gender as opposed to yeah. just you as an individual, how well you're doing in this sport, which also again with the unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, but absolutely true. But but power to them. Like it's a, it's it's super encouraging to see. Like more of this that we can talk about, and yeah. you know, that and to have more of a club, and for, to have them like to see those those pictures of them all together too. Because when you see like her and the and the two Rachels and Veronica Alvarez and all these women who are like on the field kind of involvement in baseball, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So yay! All right. Well, we've had a lot to say today. We've had we're a not shit done yet. ton to say today. Yet. Right. We're going to Miami. Countdown. Fifty-four days until we are in Miami on the beach and in the ballpark. So if you are going to Miami, please let us know because I am very excited. We have tickets to both quarterfinal games and a semifinal game for the World Baseball Classic. In Miami, and you guys are—you might get tired of me like talking about this. We're going to be counting it down every week till we get there. We're going to be doing some funky recording while we're there because we will be there on recording day. Sure, we will. it's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fun. So, um, do you want to talk about any team updates for the World Baseball Classic? Team updates for the World Baseball Classic. The Netherlands, who I don't think we're going to get to see because they're starting off in Group A or B, one of the two groups that we don't see, but they have a really impressive slate. So. Maybe if they, I don't know, maybe they'll make it. Xander Bogarts, Kenley Jansen, Jonathan Scope, Jerickson Profar, Didi DeGorius, Anderton Simmons. What do they have in common? They come from uh, countries that were colonized by the Netherlands. So Mostly they get Curacao, right? Who, who else? Yeah, yeah. The only ones who are Aruba were Xander Bogarts and then Chadwick Trump, who is in the Atlanta organization. Uh, backup catcher, who is also from Aruba. Ozzy Albies is noticeably missing, but he is still nursing an injury. So Team Netherlands is very much um, benefiting from their uh, colony. Colonies, <laughs> plural. Team Venezuela, who we, I don't know. We're going to see the quarterfinals, and only two are coming out from uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela I don't know if it's going to be Venezuela, especially now that that it looks like Acuna is out. But Glaber Torres is in, 
And this is an officially all baseball boyfriend team of the MLB players playing for Team Venezuela, including Miguel Cabrera, Jose Altuve, Andres Jimenez, Miguel Rojas, Luis Arraez, Salvador Perez, Anthony Santander, Avisael Garcia, all past baseball boyfriends, as is Wilson Contreras, who is not allowed to play because oh. the Cardinals said no. But who did the Cardinals say? So this is like, this is, goes back to what um, Acuna was saying about where's the justice? Who gets to play and who doesn't? Cardinals said no to Wilson Contreras. They said yes to Lars Newtbar for Team Japan, which will be a shock to anybody who did not listen to episode 227 when, when Patty very clearly explained that Lars Newtbar's mom is Japanese and that his parents actually met when his dad was in Japan for study abroad. So go back to episode 227 to hear more about Lars Newtbar and why his name sort of sticks, sticks out from the rest on Team Japan, <laughs> which include Red Sox Masataka Yoshida, uh, your boy, your very recent Cubs pick, Seiya Suzuki, you, Darvish, and Shohei Otani. I am really, 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 really hoping that that is the team that makes it out of the Asian quarterfinals over for us to see them for the semifinals. I want to see Team Japan. Very fun. I really want to see Team Japan. That would be super fun. All right, fun. now I'm done. I don't know how I'm going to edit this shit, but now <laughs> I've got the World <laughs> Baseball Classic. I believe what we just presented to you was a yeah. supersized episode yes. because we just Bonus. can't stop talking. Blame it on Santa's butt. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, so um, – if you have ideas for us for White Sox or Giants boyfriends, mm-hmm. let us know. If you want to correct any of the things that we said, and I'm guessing since we talked so much, there may very likely be corrections, please find us on social media. You can still find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball. And please head over to Patreon. We are closer than ever to actually uh, breaking even which is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball. And really that, oh, and here's a here's a call from dad. Dad's phoning in. Should I answer? <laughs> no, let's not do let's a, a not, live conversation right. with, with dad. <laughs> right. we, we're, we're, we're already we're way oversized over time. enough. Yes. Oh my gosh, my friends. So if you have friends and family in addition to Potty Mouth's dad who <laughs> you think might like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know about the show. Leave us a rating or review if you can. Um, we want you to please make sure you're boosted, especially if you're going to come meet us in Miami because we mm-hmm. want to hang out with you. Send your game balls to Meredith. Fight the man is the right thing to do. I'm going to throw in a who day. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Have you tried Santa's butt yet? I had a sip of Santa's. (laughs) (laughs) Walked right into that. (laughs) Oh my gosh.